good morning, my name is Troy. Uh, welcome if you're here for the very first time, uh, or if you're seeing me for the first time because you're part of our church and you uh, have, haven't been around the last few weeks. I'm the pastor of our 6.30 church congregation in the evenings, uh, but as our minister Mike Leet has finished up, I'm here to fill in and make sure uh, you have someone to teach you God's word and all that kind of thing, and so it's a joy to have been welcomed by you all. We have the joy now of looking at Revelation chapter 1, so have that reading before you now, and we'll dip into it as we go. Uh, But now let's pray as we open up this passage. Our gracious Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus, and we praise you that he died for our sin, but we praise you even more that he rose from from the grave. And we pray that you'd help us now to be convicted of who he is, to see him clearly, and so be convicted uh, and respond in faith and repentance and obedience. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. What would it have been like to see the risen Jesus, raised from the dead, that very first Easter Sunday? Uh, For those of you who know and follow Jesus, you know that it's really easy to take this fact for granted. Uh, Jesus' resurrection. It's easy to say that traditional Easter greeting that Phil got us to say before. Maybe you know it, maybe you don't. It kind of just rolls off the tongue. Christ is risen. He's risen indeed. I grew up in a less traditional church, uh, and so when I joined an Anglican church as an 18-year-old on Easter Sunday, someone said to me, Christ is risen, and I said, yep. (laughs) And he just looked back at me confused. Uh, And just this last week, my Greek neighbor said to me, Christos Anesti, Uh, and I knew enough to know that that meant Christ is risen, but I didn't know the response uh, in Greek, and so I said, mate, the Anglican response is, he is risen indeed. Uh, And again, a bit of a blank look as I didn't answer correctly. Uh, But how easy is it for us to say we believe that Christ is risen? But what would it have actually been like to be there and to see it with our very own eyes. Well, really, the goal of today, Easter Sunday, is to remember and reflect on the wonder of Jesus' resurrection, that he was raised from death to life. Uh, But rather than look at one of the accounts of Jesus' resurrection, like we just read before, uh, instead of looking at the fact of Jesus' resurrection and that people saw him uh, and spoke with him and ate with him, I hope you know that that is recorded history for us right here in these pages. Hundreds of people saw Jesus alive from the dead. Uh, But today, instead of that, we're looking instead at a vision of the risen Lord Jesus, a vision of the risen Jesus in all his glory and majesty. And as we see this vision in the book of Revelation, we'll see what it shows us about him. Who is Jesus now that he is risen and reigning? What is he like? Well, we just read from Revelation chapter 1, and I'm sure you noticed as we read that Revelation is a bit weird. Uh, It's a book that's strange and very interesting to read. Perhaps you've never read it before, and this is the first time you've encountered it. Uh, Maybe that's you. So what are we reading? When we read the book of Revelation, what is the book of Revelation? Well, by all means, you're welcome to jump on our website and look at our sermon series that we've done on the whole book of Revelation uh, just a few years ago. And on your handout at the bottom right, there's a bit, uh, a link there that you can go and find our sermons online. But just quickly, now, what is Revelation? If you look at Revelation chapter 1, verse 4, here it is up on the screen. 
that's the wrong one, this is the right one, uh, we see that it's a letter of sorts. It's written by John, the Apostle John, one of, 12, one of Jesus' 12 disciples, one of the eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection, one of the key leaders of, the G- of Jesus' church in those early years. And it's written to the seven churches in what's called Asia Minor, which is now called Turkey. So John writes a letter to some Christian churches sometime around 90 AD. But he's writing more than a letter. Because if you look at chapter 1, verse 1 on the screen, John says this letter is a revelation of Jesus Christ. In other words, this is an unveiling, a showing of Jesus, revealing himself to John and to these Christians and to us. Why does he reveal himself? Well, so that we might understand who he is and what he is like and what he is doing and what he's going to do. And so we get this vision of Jesus and we get to see the risen Lord Jesus in all his glory. What is he like? Who is he? Well, let's dive into these early words of Revelation and see and hear and be encouraged. Uh, So you can see on the screen where we're going. Uh, In your handout, you haven't got an outline, you've got the passages, but here's where we're going. We're going to work through these words just bit by bit uh, as we go. And the first thing we see is the situation that John finds himself in. So he tells us the story of what happens to him. Look at verses 8 and 9 with me. He says, I, John, your brother and partner in the tribulation, kingdom and endurance that are in Jesus. He's kind of talking about all the good and all the struggle of being a Christian. He says, I, John, your brother, was on the island called Patmos because of God's word and the testimony about Jesus. So what's the situation that John's in? It's persecution. That's his situation. He's persecuted for the sake of the risen Lord. See, John has been exiled to an island called Patmos, which you can see in the middle there. Uh, He's been imprisoned by the Romans on this deserted island in the Mediterranean. Why? He says, because of God's word and because of the testimony of Jesus. And this is the first little lesson about from these words, that if you speak God's word and if you share the testimony of Jesus, the truth of his death for sin, the truth of his resurrection, If you speak about our rebellion against God, if you speak about our need for forgiveness and God's coming judgment, well, then you will be persecuted. Persecution will come your way, as it did for John. Because people claim that Jesus is risen from the dead, well, that's a dividing truth, isn't it? It's something that can't be ignored, and so persecution comes to John. So John, he's all alone. He's wasting away in his old age in exile, But what is he doing? Look at verse 10. He's in the Spirit on the Lord's day. He's praying on a Sunday, in other words. He's not alone, actually, because he knows that God is with him. But it's as he's praying on this particular Sunday that he receives a vision, a revelation. But did you notice? It actually doesn't start with what he sees. No, it starts with what he hears. He hears a fearsome voice. So look at verse 10 again. He says, I heard a loud voice behind me like a trumpet saying, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches. And then he lists out those churches that Pete read out so well for us before. 
So as John prays, he hears this incredible sounding voice. It's like a trumpet. It's loud and powerful and piercing, but it's intelligible. He knows what it's saying. And I think that would have made him startle and jump. Uh, you can imagine that if someone snuck up behind you with a trumpet and just blasted it, you would jump out, you would go through the roof. Uh, or I don't know if you've ever done this before, um, but have you ever woken up in the night uh, and you heard sounds in the house and you thought, someone's in the house? Uh, when that happens to me, I always think to myself, okay, what I'll do is I'll jump out into the hallway and with a big, deep voice, I'll say, Oi, who's there? Um, because I'm not the most muscly man. And I don't have a very deep, powerful voice. But maybe if I pretend, I'll be able to scare off the intruder. There has not once been an intruder uh, as I've gone and done that in the hallway, which I admit I have done at least once. <laughs> maybe the voice was something like that. Oi! <laughs> but maybe not. Probably not. Uh, and at first, it seems that John, he doesn't know who this voice is. All he hears is this fearsome voice behind him. But we know, and John will soon find out, John is hearing the risen Lord Jesus calling him, commanding him to write his message to his churches. And so it's then that John turns around to see who this fearsome voice is, and this marks the beginning of his fearsome vision. So read verse 12 with me. I turned to see the voice, whose voice it was that spoke to me, when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands, and among the lampstands was one like the Son of Man. If you are someone who knows the Bible, well, immediately at this point, alarm bells start going off in your mind. Because the Son of Man was whose favorite title for himself? It was Jesus' favorite title for himself. When he walked the earth, he said, The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. He said, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And he said, When the Son of Man comes in glory, dot, 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 etc., etc. And in the Old Testament, more than that, in Daniel 7, the Son of Man is the one whom God gives all power and all authority and to rule over all the kingdoms of the world. And so it's at this point we realize, well, Jesus is seeing the risen Lord Jesus, who is the Son of Man. The one he saw die on the cross for him. The one he saw alive from the dead, never to die again. The one who has now ascended into heaven to rule and reign over all things with all power and all authority in all his glory. That Son of Man stands before John, right in front of him. And so John describes this fearsome uh, picture, with the symbolic uh, imagery kind of that he sees of what Jesus is like. And it's a, it's a scary image. Uh, let's look at each part of it quickly as we kind of work through these verses. Look at verse 13, halfway through. He's dressed in a long robe with a gold sash wrapped around his chest. He's dressed as a majestic king, uh, and Revelation tells us he is the king of kings and the lord of lords. Verse 14, his head and hair were like wool, white like wool. He has all wisdom and all authority of age. Uh, his eyes were like a fiery flame. He has this piercing stare and can see and discern all things. Verse 15, his feet were like fine bronze, and his voice like the sound of cascading waters. 
Again, that's meant to show us his divine power and his glory and authority. He is God and has God's authority. And verse 16, a sharp double-edged sword came from his mouth. He's a warrior and his weapon is his word. His word pierces and is powerful. It cuts to the heart. It can create and it can destroy. And at last, his face was shining like the sun at midday. It's not midday, but this is actually kind of a fitting place to stand as you see the sun blaring through. His, Jesus' face was like staring at the sun. Such is his glory and his holiness. So what is the risen Lord Jesus like? fearsome isn't he he's glorious and majestic he's this warrior king he's powerful beyond imagination he has complete authority and strength he rules over all things that's who john sees jesus the son of man in all his glory and so what does john do what would you do How would you respond if you heard this massive voice booming behind you and you turned and you saw this man standing before you? The right response before the risen Lord is fear. Look at verse 17. When I saw him, I fell at his feet like a dead man. When you see the risen Lord Jesus in all his glory, you fall on your face. See, John, he is utterly helpless at this point. He's powerless before the risen Lord, the King of Kings. He seizes up. He's paralyzed by fear. This is the exact same thing, almost, uh, that happens in one of the other, in the one other New Testament passage where the risen Lord Jesus appears to someone. Who is that? He appears to Saul, who we know as the Apostle Paul. We just read it a few weeks ago in the book of Acts. What happens when, when Paul sees the risen Lord? Fear happens. He falls to the ground. He's blinded for three days. He can't eat or drink. When you come face to face with the risen Lord Jesus, the first response is fear. Do you fear him as the righteous judge? Do you fear him as the perfect and holy one? The one who knows all and who sees all as the king with all authority and all power. But then Jesus speaks to John again. And we have, to, we have to listen to what he says. Because while Jesus appears fearsome and majestic, his words here are life and joy and they are peace. See, these words are the reason that we're looking at this passage today on Easter Sunday. Because look at what Jesus does and look at what he says. Read verse 17, halfway says, he, Jesus, laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. John's first response, rightly, was fear. But Jesus comforts him and says, don't be afraid. How can Jesus say that? If he is the fearsome and glorious risen Lord that he is, and John is a mere man, a sinner like us, how can Jesus say to him, don't be afraid? The only way that Jesus can say that is if he, the risen Lord, is for John and not against him. See, the only way that Jesus can say to a person, don't be afraid of me, is if his death has paid for their sin and their rebellion. 
if that person has repented, if they have sought God's forgiveness and grace, Jesus says, do not fear. And if someone hasn't done that, then what Jesus goes on to say is really just more reason to fear him. But if someone repents and calls on the name of the Lord for his grace, then these words are actually indescribable comfort. Let's look at them again. Jesus says, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am eternal. I was before all things and I outlast everything. But the real comfort is in verse 18. Look at those words. Jesus says, I am the first and the last and the living one. I was dead, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys of death and Hades. You see what he's saying? And do you see why we're picking these words to look at today? He's saying, because I died and because I rose again, I now have the keys to death, the keys of Hades, the place of dead souls in the Bible. I have overcome death, so now I rule over it, and I can put my key into the gate Unlock it, swing it wide open, and let people out. John, don't be afraid. I am Lord over death. I've opened the gate, and I am for you. And this is the joy and the hope and the wonder of Easter Sunday. Yes, we remember and we celebrate that Jesus rose from the dead, but why? We celebrate because Jesus was raised so that we too might be raised. Because Jesus overcame death, he overcomes our death if we trust in him. By his death and by his resurrection, he has the keys, he unlocks the gate, and he frees us from death. Listen to what uh, Jesus said when he walked the earth. Uh, And John, this same John, recorded these words for us. It's not John 11, as Pete referred to before. It's John 6. Jesus says, For this is the will of my Father, of God, that everyone who sees the Son, who's Jesus, everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up from the dead on the last day. Jesus was dead, but now is alive forever. And so he offers us, he offers you and me, the very same thing. To be raised like him, to live with him into eternity, to live free from sickness and death and in unending joy, in a creation when he returns, a new creation when he returns on the last day. See, other parts of the scriptures call Jesus the first fruits or the firstborn from the dead. Why? Because Jesus rose from the dead first, showing that others will follow. And when he returns, those who believe in him, John says, Jesus says, will follow and rise too. So what does this vision of the risen Lord Jesus do for us? What happens when we see Jesus here, portrayed before us in Revelation 1? How should we respond today? Two things to finish off. Number one, it makes us rightly fear him, as we've seen. The vision of Jesus in all his glory and power should make us tremble before him. The fact that Jesus is risen and glorious and that he reigns over death, and because we are sinners, which should make us have fear and awe of him. 
If humanity fears death, just think about this, if humanity fears death, then shouldn't we fear even more the one who has conquered death? Seeing this risen Lord Jesus should humble us before him. Have you done that? Have you humbled yourself before the risen Jesus? And do you continue to humble yourself before him day by day? Do you recognize his glory and his greatness? Do you recognize your sin and repent of it? Do you seek the forgiveness and the grace that he died for? Don't delay. Today is the day to do it, if that's you. But the second thing this vision gives us, this vision of Jesus, is great confidence and great hope. As the one who rules over all the kings of the earth, the king of kings, the lord of lords, as the one with all power and authority, as the one who knows all and sees all, well, nothing and no one can stand against him, can overpower him. Not even death, which overcomes all of us, can overcome Jesus. He has the keys. He's opened the way out and to eternal life. He's the firstfruits and the firstborn from the dead. And so how sure we can be, how sure we can be, what confidence and hope we can have that he will do the same for us. And raise us on that last day. Praise God. Do you have that confidence and that hope? See the risen Lord Jesus here in Revelation 1. And it is yours. So do you see and know the risen Jesus? Do you see him here in Revelation 1? Do you believe in him? Have you turned from your sin and put your trust in him for forgiveness and life eternal? I pray that you have. And to finish, let's listen to those words from Jesus in John 6 again. Take these words to heart. Let them dwell in you today and always. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Let's pray. Our gracious Father, you deserve all glory and praise for the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We praise you uh, that he stood up from death, that it could not hold him down, and that it vindicated all of his life and his death for us and meant he could be raised to your right hand and rule over all things. We are in awe of this risen Lord Jesus and we thank you for him. Please humble us before him and help us to have the great hope and confidence that all the promises that you have given us through him will be ours on the last day when he returns, most of all being raised like him, to be with him in unending days. We pray in his name. Amen.